Welcome to Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness with your hosts Chris Noble and Bill Protzman. In today's episode, we take you on a quest to discover how music and spirituality work together. Along with examples of connection, we also explore music and big emotions we don't like, such as rage, fear, and grief. We also continue our new feature, a short guided meditation to close out the episode. Can you find your spiritual connection to music? Let's give it a try. We'll be talking about all that and much, much more, as always in these open conversations, here on Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness. Okay, so music and spirituality, and and this is a weird one because, you know, we've talked about music and spirituality before, and we've tried to define what that means, and nobody really knows what spirituality is anyway, but I was thinking, what if we give examples of how music um, aligns with or encourages or connects to spirituality, subconsciousness, consciousness, whatever, and, and just by way of example, sort of illustrate what we mean by music and spirituality. And, you know, there's, there's many levels of this, right? Because a single tone could connect you deeply with your subconsciousness. And that could be a spiritual experience, like just one tone or binaural beats. But what about like regular music music? And how right. does that work, right? And, and what is the spiritual experience? And, and it's like, we can, we, there's no way we can sit here and tell everybody's listening what a spiritual experience is going to be. You have to do that for yourself, but we can offer the invitation. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we talk about what, what we think a spiritual experience is and at least give some examples. And then those of you listening, you can maybe get more of a sense of <clears throat> when we're throwing around these words like consciousness and spirituality, a lot of the time we're kind of talking about the same thing. And for me, when I think about spirituality, it feels to me like connection, connection to myself, connection to the universe. You know, you could call it the divine, you could call it God, um, source, uh, the, you know, where the big bang originated from, whatever language you want to use. It's that feeling of feeling connected to everything and a feeling of feeling connected to yourself. Cause as above, so below we are the universe. There's a universe inside of us. It's all the same. And when I hear certain music, I feel that when I have what I would call a spiritual experience, listening to that music, that's because I'm feeling an amazingly deep, deep level of connection. Um, and that could come with different emotions, right? Sure. But, yeah. Uh, but the feeling I would say overall is, is a feeling of deep, profound connection, the same connection that I would feel in a deep meditation, uh, a same connection that I would feel maybe in a psychedelic, um, a psychedelic journey uh, ceremony where, yeah. you, you know, you're doing plant medicine and connecting that way. So that's where I kind of look at spirituality, but I'm curious to hear kind of what your take on it is, Bill. Yeah, I, I agree with that because that feeling of connection, when you said connected, uh, that, that really resonated for me because there's a sense of being like within your own container. And then there's that sense of where you can step outside and be a, the observer of your container and for me, that's like, it's cool, but it's still sort of psychological. The step beyond that, where it feels like our containers are somehow blended together, is that connection that you were talking about. And it's not like a physical thing. You don't feel that physically, for me anyway, I feel it more as a sense of unity, perhaps. Mm, yeah. And it's really strange because, you know, Spiritual teachers have to talk about this stuff using material terms. So there's really no way to, to make spiritual language 
um, anything less than material. It's, it's really bizarre to, to, to do that, but we can try. Um, ASMR is probably a good indication. Like when you're feeling that spine tingly stuff, something has moved you at a level that's obviously you feel it physically, but there's something else going on there. Um, sometimes when I hear music, it just makes me want to weep and not sadness particularly, but just like it releases emotion. And I think that might be a spiritual experience. Uh, and I'm saying might because, you know, who am I? I don't know. I'm, not, I'm a musician, right? But there's that level of, of, of a profound honesty, maybe, or a certainty where everything just seems right in a moment. Mm. And I, I feel strongly about that kind of connection as being a spiritual one or a subconscious one or something that's other than, you know, the regular normal stuff. You're just listening, dancing, tapping your foot. Although, you know, you can listen and dance and be, have a spiritual experience too. And Oh yeah. I mean, the whirling dervishes do all the time. <clears throat> so, you know, this, this weirdness of sort of dancing around the thing is part of the part of our job here, but let's go with connection for a while, because I think that one's one that, uh, it's sort of obvious to people. Like if you're in a concert and you sing along, or you're in a group of people sitting around a campfire someplace, you start singing spontaneously or chanting the ohm or whatever it is. Um, do you know what the things are that like lead up to that experience? This is really, I'm curious about this. So I don't know, but like just before that happens, do you know what's going on musically that is opening up that opportunity? You know, I can't, I don't know if you could narrow it down because I've, yeah, even, yeah. I've had experiences where, I mean, we'll try, of course, for the sake of the episode here, but I, I really think that you could play the same song in very different settings and they're going to have very different ways that they're received. And one could be come a very spiritual experience and the other could be um, a little bland and kind of just happens and just bounces off people and doesn't really connect. Right. So, yeah, yeah. You know, like I think it's less of the I would argue it's less even of the music because another example we've given in another episode is that famous violinist performing in a subway and yeah. he charges, you know, it's like a hundred dollars a seat to see him play um, at a, or, or, you know, at a, at a concert hall. However, in the, in the subway, everyone's ignoring him. They're on their phones and they're just like not really taking it in. And again, he's probably playing some stuff that he was playing later that night and selling a hundred dollars for a ticket. And people would sit there and weep and, yeah. and just be like, wow, amazing. So I think setting and and context is almost more important and and the people whether you're alone or with people and who those people are I think that plays more of of a role than the actual music itself like the, the container that that yeah. experience yeah. is in you know a sing along at a campfire has a very spiritual I mean first of all campfire is one of the most primal um ancient ways of communing and and having community and having sharing of of feelings and thoughts and ideas. I mean, we've been doing this as long as humans have been around. So that's going to have a spiritual element. You're obviously outside doing that. And so you're in nature. And then you've got your friends most likely that you're with or just people. But there's something about, I mean, I've had many campfire <laughs> jams and they almost all feel quite spiritual at certain moments because especially when everyone gets singing and maybe that's like, maybe you might be playing all night and there's just these moments within that period of time where it, everyone's together everyone's in a coherence connected singing jamming whatever it is and then that those moments when everyone's vibrating and and sort of resonating together that's when i would say i feel those spiritual experiences 
Yeah, it's like a transcendence. There's the group, and all of a sudden the group is has jumped a level. You know, you could be singing, like you say, you could be singing the same thing, but all of a sudden some other meaning enters into the circle. That's yeah. you know, all we can say about it is that we hope we invite it and hope it shows up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we sound like a seance here, but that's not the case. You, the musical invitation is is the same. The set and setting is the same. But then there's that moment where something happens. Yep. And it, and it jumps level. And and in that moment, that the the feelings that you experience there. That's a lousy word for it because the emotions are part of it too. But there's something else. That feeling of connection mm. that comes in, where you feel like you yourself are fully seen, and everyone else that you can see is also fully seen. Maybe it's authentically, honestly, I don't know. It's just like something drops away and you're together in a new in a new way that wasn't there a moment before. I think it goes, and to get it even more into connection, it, it's like there are so many things I find in our current society that disconnect us from ourselves, from nature and from each other. And I yes. find that those are far more prevalent and, and popular and loud and, you know, put into our... Um, <laughs> reality on a second by second basis, basically. And so when we get those rare, or maybe not rare, but when we get those moments of connection where you're looking around and when everyone's singing together and you're at, you're sharing that, that frequency and that space and that emotion together, it's like all of these identities that we're so obsessed with today drop and dissolve out of nowhere. And you just feel that complete and utter connection. You're like, we're no different. We're all the same. Um, we have so many differences, but we're also at the exact same time, completely the same. We come from the same source of creation. We're quantumly entangled with each other and we're feeling that connection on a, on a universal level where it's like everything is just stripped away and it's just so pure, you know, it's a, it's like a pure moment. There's no, you know, there's just no extra, you know, fluff or, uh, noise or things that are distracting each other you know one, one another from each other and it's like no we're connected we're in a pure experience of of love and of connection you know which we don't get a lot in this current day and age i'm always interested in this but how do you think musically that happens what is it about the music that drops the barriers or invites the moment or it's so cool to, to consider this, right? Totally. Do you think we have an answer? <laughs> I mean, I've been, yeah. I've been, honestly, I've been thinking about this for a while, people, yeah. right? Right. So this is not a new question for me. And I don't know. No, I mean, I can, I mean, music theory can tell you what things are supposed to do. And, you know, there's tempo and there's like the, the characteristics of the music, but there's something else. I think and, it's you know, the, that magic that happens. Yeah. I, I think. Some when it comes to the music itself, I think it's um, maybe a part of it could be the message of the song, though that's not also always necessary. Oh yeah, like if there's words somehow, right? Like take like "Imagine" by John Lennon as a oh, yeah, classic yeah. Okay. example, right? Like you sing that one, and that's almost always gonna guarantee to get people feeling united and, and connected. I mean, that's a it's a really good or you know. Um, uh, so many different, like uh, certain Bob Marley songs, maybe, you know, uh, or Beatles, all you yeah. need is love, you know, or 
certain songs that are just kind of universal in their message and you know that usually brings like you know amazing grace is another example just certain certain songs that like you can hear them performed by so many different artists and they all it kind of always gives you that same goosebumps and that that spiritual almost experience so i would say it, it, it could be the song itself and the way it's written and then you could dissect each of those songs i don't think there's like chord progressions per se that specifically give you that feeling because there's a whole variety i think it's the way it's all put together in that and maybe the uh, intention behind the song itself and how it was written that's probably one part i'd say the other part is the musician who's performing it and how and how they're interpreting it and how they're bringing it into that group into that container into that environment and how they're displaying it or, or or communicating that song you know, because you can, I mean, as you know, with any great covers, um, there's certain, many songs have been completely transformed and they're nothing like the original and they all of a sudden hit in a completely different way. And that's of course the brilliance of the musician who's doing that. So I think it's partly sometimes can be the song itself. Partly sometimes it can also be the performer themselves creating that feeling through their own um, skills and an intention as well. You know, if you have the intention to make sure everyone's singing along in the song, then that's, that is gonna work. If, if, if you're not getting everyone to sing along in a song, yes, you can still make them have like a really beautiful experience, but I would say on a statistical level, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, you're gonna have a much higher percentage of making people have that spiritual experience if they're also singing with you, because that's where you get that connection and that amazing synergy kind of feeling yeah so so i think there's a lot of little things like that that you could you could add in but there's always that unknown element too where you're like all of a sudden it just clicks and boom you're in something really magical something's happened knows what's going on (laughs) you know my sister sent me a recording of jacob collier uh leading a sing-along and apparently he's done an album of these like 12 different instances where people sang in the audience. And now it's a thing. So people want to be in the audience just to be able to sing with Jacob Collier, right? But my, my sister Diane noticed that there's a moment where Jacob Collier notices what's going on in the audience. And it's, it's never the same moment. But he like t- plugged into a way where he can lead that. Once it starts to happen, he can lead it. And I've been thinking about that uh, with conductors and orchestras. I wonder if a conductor is able to like get the ball rolling, but then senses the moment at which things start to turn transcendental yep. and is able to help leverage that moment so that the orchestra finds not just the mechanics of playing, but the spirit of the music and begins to inhabit that spiritual space together in this connected way. Uh, I mean, you've played in bands. I've played in bands. That doesn't happen often in bands, people. This is not something that just, you know, just don't turn it on and have it go. It's really rare. But when it does, it's it can be overwhelming, you know, and it's surprising <laughs> when that happens. And Jacob Collier is a great example. I was literally watching some of his videos today before we There you go. Yeah. So he talked and and I mean, yeah, I mean, any anytime uh, I watched one where he does the ABBA song Dancing Queen and yeah. the whole audience is just belting it all out together in beautiful harmony. In harmony. And because he attracts a lot of musicians and very yeah. musically inclined people to his shows. So his audience also just happens to be really musical and, you know, can yeah, really actually, <laughs> yeah, you know, harmonize on the spot and all that great stuff. But, but he knows that. And I would say, you know, for me, like 
having run certain music, uh, healing concerts, you could say. And I know, Bill, with, uh, with the um, sing-alongs that you've been a part of and jams that you've been a part of, I think there's also a big role in doing that, having the, um, the Jacob Collier effect, which is that he can really feel, I was going to say listen, but I don't think it's listen. It's, it's, yeah, it's something more, feeling the room. It's, it's again, that whole reading the yeah. room kind of thing. And that's really intuition that, that goes, there's nothing intellectual on that level where you're like, Oh, if I do this, yeah. this plus a plus B equals whatever. No, no, no. This is pure intuition. Now we're getting into the territory of absolute having to feel and sense energy and yeah. sense where people are at. And yep. I think when you can really tap into that ability, that's when you're like, Oh yeah. Like let's whoom. like, I, I, I had some sing along songs where uh, I remember once uh, one of the, the mantras for one of the sing along songs is I'm not giving up on you. And I, uh, I didn't really think much of it. We started to sing it. And within the first line, or I said it, sung it twice. And I watched one, one girl in the front row immediately just started to bawl her eyes out. She just started to cry. And I knew immediately, like, that's a physical sign. Yeah. But I felt that too, when she started and yeah. I could just be like, oh yeah, I, I, I kind of like quadrupled the length of the song that I normally do. And I realized I'm like, this is a line that people need to hear right now, apparently. And so I, and then it just like, everyone got into it and they were all singing, I'm not giving up on you. And it was just like, you could, that was a spiritual experience because I could feel like normally I brought, I would bring in other kind of mantras pretty quickly after. And I was like, nope, we're going to extend this for quite a stay while. With this one. Yeah. We're going to really need- stay with this one. People yeah. clearly want and need this. I'm feeling it. And is it, it was it the, uh, was it the way I had planned on doing it? Not at all. No. And you have to throw that rule book out the window a lot of the times with these kind of things because you feel it and you're like, oh, okay, didn't think that that was going to be that, but now that that is, we're going, <laughs> let's do it, you know? I'm, I'm so with you on this because that's happened so many times, especially in live performance. One of the reasons I like live performance is because you open yourself up to, the, to a potential that's far beyond, you know, just reading the book. And, and that is, it's powerful for those of us on stage, but it's transportive for people who are in the audience experiencing that, especially because there's a connection between the musicians and the audience that wasn't there before. The fourth wall is gone. Yeah. You know, in that moment, it's like, I'm, I'm sure that woman experienced you as facilitating that when you continued with the same thought, you know, and, and kept the mantra instead of moving on to allow that to be fully present in the room. Which is a question too, because so is, is empathy a spiritual experience or compassion? Yeah, totally. Totally. Because those are sometimes the feelings that are so overwhelming in those moments when you're all together. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can even tap into the emotions right now, just thinking back on certain moments when everyone's together singing and you can feel everyone's empathy and compassion for one another just it's a feeling like everyone's like no one's saying it to each other. You're singing different lyrics about something completely different, but you're feeling so connected and you can just feel everyone, you know, even at these concerts where there's thousands of people, yeah, you look around at all these strangers and it's just smiles on everyone's face. And it's, it's a, it's like a, it really is a superpower in a lot of ways that I think we sometimes don't uh, give as much credence perhaps, or as much, um, I, I sometimes certainly forget that as musicians, yeah, you really, we, we, we get, 
kind of the crap end of the stick a lot of the times in, let's say, the financial side of things or the traditional workforce side of things or just the traditional way of going through life, artists typically get, you know, not the best, uh, <laughs> not only reputation, but just, you know, uh, what's the kind of societal um, status, let's put it that way. Yeah, we're not at the top of the caste system. No, no. You say I'm a doctor, everyone's like, oh my God, like, like you're you're the, the top of the top you're a lawyer oh my god you're whatever um you're a musician well that's nice i mean cool that you're a musician yeah what, like, what's your real job yeah exactly <laughs> what's your real job and that that's a whole other podcast but it's it's something it's a it's a nice moment to recognize that that power that you can have as a musician to unite people and to bring people together and to have that feeling i'm like that's something you can't even put a price on really um that is a spiritual experience and man, you know, um, yeah, it's really cool. Empathy and compassion definitely can be a part of that. Definitely spiritual. Yeah. How about the scary stuff? I I'm often, um, you know, we don't like to be afraid of things. We don't like, you know, stuff that makes us angry so much, but I'm working right now on a, on a lifetime of rage, like unpacking ancestral rage. And the only way that I can describe this process is, is, is it that it's a spiritual process. And, um, you know, I don't go out and intentionally trigger myself because I've got plenty of triggers already for rage. Thank you very much. <laughs> but there's very angry music out there. And I've used it in the past to sort of let the feelings flow and go. But what I want to do is I want to like more inhabit them as an observer and unpack them so that they are permanently no longer in my baggage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of just unpacking them and feeling them and then putting them back in, I just want to leave that shit back behind me, right? Yeah. But the only way that I can describe that is far more than psychological. It's got to be a spiritual experience because this stuff is so deep, you know, it's like subconscious in a way. And, you know, obviously we're resonators, we can feel that stuff. But I'm, I'm really curious if the, uh, if the same kind of unity, and this is going to sound weird, but as I work through the rage problem, I find more connection uh, to myself, of course, but also to others in the world who are also closet ragers. And I know who they are. I can tell who they are, right? It's easy to see some people these days, they're just ready to blow, right? Yeah. But, but I feel that sort of an empathetic connection, even to people that I don't know. In the same way we were talking about connection with unity. Isn't that weird? I love it, though. But it resonates it's, with me. It's, it's a rage trigger rather than a, you know, happy, happy kittens and puppies kind of joy, joy thing, um, or even something more profoundly deep, that, deeper than that, that's also joyful. That's a really good point, Bill. I, I think we should talk about this for a bit because, you know, one of the things I've been um, hearing a lot about with my friends who are, you know, psychotherapists and also in the, in the healing world, different modalities of healing, um, a big thing that has been coming up is that you know people have a lot of repressed rage and anger and especially in the spiritual community more than i would say your normal non-spiritual communities it's there's sometimes shame put around feeling anger oh and yeah feeling, of and, course you know, there's a lot of shame put around feeling any kind of negative emotions but especially rage and anger and if you repress that stuff you know we're, we're, we're taught a lot of through a lot of different modalities in, in society that yeah you don't don't show your, your ugly emotions. You just show your nice emotions and whatever the hell that means. Right. 
Right. And not to say that, you know, we're, I know when we look on the, um, oh, uh, what's this now I'm blanking on his name, but the, um, the, the hierarchy of feelings and emotions on the, um, the, the consciousness scale. Oh yeah. 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 The, the Hawkins the David scale or whatever. Hawkins scale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I know anger, rage and stuff. It's, it's lower. Obviously those are lower frequency yeah. emotions, but I, I'm a firm believer that we wouldn't have any of these emotions that they weren't necessary, if they weren't helpful, if they weren't a part of our own internal GPS of how yeah, to, like, I get help that. us navigate, you know? So our, th- those are really important to feel. And, you know, for me, the more I've, t- I, I had to, uh, I had super massive rage issues as a, as a kid and as a teenager, got me into nothing but trouble. And so then I did the opposite where I went into my spiritual practices and whatnot, and then, and then had that shame and guilt put towards uh, anger and, and rage. And especially like, you know, yeah, like real rage, I would say is a great word. And I more recently in the last couple of years have come back into, of course, honoring those emotions and letting them come up. And, you know, to this day, I'm still working on that because I spent many, many years suppressing those things because I thought that they weren't spiritual and all these things. And just one last thought on all this is absolutely angry music is spiritual and absolutely angry music can be very uniting and, and can really get people together. And one of the best examples in my life would be a band called Rage Against the, Mach- the Machine. Oh, of course. Sure. Like what an amazing example of a band where almost every single song is just rage embodied in music and lyrically too, like brilliant because it's all about like letting out your rage and anger at all the horrific things going on in the world. And yeah, like it feels, I remember I went through a huge rage against the machine uh, phase and just was in love with not only their music, but their live performances. Cause I got to watch this whole crowd of people mosh pitting and I've been in a couple mosh pits myself and those are terrifying and exhilarating and <laughs> a little bit of a spiritual experience in, in, in of itself as well, because they, they take you into a whole other place of, of almost like reality and consciousness. And, and again, they connect you with other people when they're raging, you're raging, you're all raging together. Once again, it feels like that universal connection again. It, is there any, and I've never been in a mosh pit, so I'm asking this as a novice here, but uh, is there any sense in a mosh pit that you're in danger of some kind? Like yes. everybody else is going to take you apart? Well, you don't know on what level everyone's rage is at, you know, and you don't know what level their inebriation level is at. So that's more where the fear comes in. Some people just don't have control over themselves. Um, and yeah, there's absolutely risks uh, for sure. And I've almost gotten trampled a couple of times, you know, in those situations and, you know, at big shows and it, it can get really scary up there. And that was mostly when I was a lot younger and had you know, relatively zero fear complex at that point of these yeah. things. And now I'm like <laughs> a little bit different at concerts, certainly. Um, it's happy to still like rage in terms of jump up and down and go crazy, but I'm just not into like bashing into other people and bouncing around. And I loved it when I was younger. I played a lot of competitive hockey too and bashing around people was all really what I was doing a lot of time. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. That's the game. So, so it worked. So I think at a certain part, at least of your life. Yeah. Um, did I feel like it was in danger? Yeah, a little bit, but I think that's part of the thrill. It's why people like skydiving, you know, it's like people like doing things that have that risk, have that fear factor to them. Yeah. Maybe. And this is just a guess. I'm just suggesting this. So if I'm wrong, you know, don't hate on me, but 
is the risk, the fear, a component of spiritual practice? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I would say I'll, I'll take this into work because I love doing certain hikes and mountain climbing and camping in treacherous areas and different sports that um, are definitely certainly very dangerous. And I have a, a couple of my friends who have noticed this about me. I have a little bit of a masochistic side where if there's a bit of a hint of <laughs> um, what's the, what's the kind of best way to put this? If there's, if there's this, if, if someone's like, Hey, we could go on this hike today. It's going to be really safe. Um, it's going to be really like no problem, safe, easy going. Yeah. Chris is like, no, that's not me. Uh, that sounds boring. really boring. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like, they're going to go with this really treacherous hike, man. You might even die. I don't even know what's going to happen. I'm like, I mean, let's do it. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And, and for me, because it's, it's when you're, when you're in situations that bring you closer to death or that have the threat of death, you become so hyper-focused. Um, you, you get into such a zone, uh, a zone of meditation. I find that is sometimes impossible for me to even find while I'm meditating, it gets, I'm in such a zone of concentration and of like one mindedness. Yes. I, yes. I feel like I'm closer to God and the universe and all these things because I'm so, I'm not thinking about anything else. It is the task at hand and that's it. There's nothing else at all going on. And it's so therapeutic, I find, and meditative. And then once you've gone through it, I find it very uh, exhilarating and very like, I feel very accomplished and really like proud of myself. And just, um, I feel like I level up after those experiences. So yeah. So that's, that is a spiritual journey. Definitely. If you're bringing that kind of attention to it to save your own life, you just make sure you're safe, you know, that you navigate the journey. It's yeah, like yeah. shadow work. It's, it's, you know, facing the shadow uh, can be as, as frightening or profound as facing your own death. Definitely. Yeah. And music that gets you there has to be spiritual, whatever that music is. If, it, if it's Rage Against the Machine or Metallica or whatever, fantastic. If it's Bach, amazing. Whatever yeah. music that gets you that close, like if it's that big of a risk, right? And I have a hard time imagining what, what that music could be that would get you there. I would, I've always come to a, that place without music first and then used music to sort of lubricate the process. Mm. But I can't think of a single song off the top of my head that is that profoundly terrifying. There's know? one, um, there's one um, off, I mean, I just go to film scores because I, I used to, oh, sure, I, yeah. and I still Makes am obs I'm obsessed with movie scores. I, especially as a kid, I was listening to more movie scores than like regular music. And I remember, um, I don't know if I was in high school or university when this film came out called There Will Be Blood. And uh, it's with um, Daniel Day-Lewis and uh, I forget the director, fantastic film, amazing cinematography, great story, great acting, but the music was absolutely mind blowing and spine chilling. And it was written by one of my favorite composers, Johnny Greenwood, who's the lead guitarist of Radiohead. And he's done some incredible scores. He's got such a unique way of or orchestration and just the, the sounds he gets out of like cellos and things like you're what, you know, he, he gets the players to like beat on, like beat them up and just do weird things to their instruments. Anyway, there's um, a couple songs off that soundtrack. I actually remember the name of one of them called Daniel Plainview. And it's, he does this sort of a, he has these strings playing and they're, they're pitch bending all at different times. So it sounds yeah, like almost yeah. like a, a swarm yeah. of bees 
you know, and it, and it crescendos over the place of like, takes like two minutes for it to fully crescendo. And it is, it terrifies me. And I would keep listening to it because I, it was just so, I was entranced. It scared me to listen to the song. And I obviously had to listen to it with the lights on and things like that. So I wouldn't fully freak myself out, but I kept listening to it because it, it put me in a, it's like when you watch horror films, you know, it puts yeah, you, yeah. it's that similar space where you're like, I want this feeling, you know, and it, and it really makes you feel that it's spine chilling. It's not ever something you'd play. It's a very, there's a lot of music out there too. That's so specific. You're like, I would only really play this in this moment, but that's one of those things. It's, if I want that, then that's a perfect piece to play for me. It's, I'll link these in the show notes because I think it's important for people to hear what it is that you're describing or the effects of what, how do I say this? It's important to hear the music that triggered the effects that you had. Absolutely. Right. And, and that's, that's profound in a way that's equally as profound as uh, the connection we were talking about earlier. Absolutely. What's the, what's like, what's the spiritual essence of that? of being that profoundly scared. <laughs> you know what I mean? Does it just bring you closer to what it means to be alive? Maybe. That would you know? be ironic. Like, you know, the spiritual thing is that you feel more material. <laughs> Maybe though. Right. When you're, in, when you're scared for like, when you're feeling that fear, most of the fear is fearing for your life. Maybe not all of it. Maybe you're fearing for other people too. Like fear, fear can be m multiple things. You're not always just fearing death, but I'd say, yeah, yeah a lot of the time then, you know, that might be one of the main things that you're, you're, you're fearing in that moment. But when you're feeling scared, like in a horror film or listening to that music, there's something also thrilling about that level of fear. I guess it's like heightened emotions of any kind can bring you into a spiritual experience, perhaps. I like know? that. Like the more intense the emotion, the closer we are to touching the face of God or whatever source, whatever you want to call it, the spiritual Absolutely. essence. Yeah. Yeah. In, in weird ways, like deep grief and sadness is, is so hard to of course feel and go through, but sometimes you get moments in that where you're just like, you're like suspended in animation and kind of just being like, like, what is this existence? Like where, like, what is life? You know, what it, and it, and it can be coming from a place of despair sometimes, but it's still, some somehow a feeling of profound connection at the same time. I don't know. It's yeah, hard to articulate, yeah. really tough to articulate. It's like an otherness that you can only find when you're not looking for it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I wonder sometimes if the big emotions sort of lower our guard or tenderize us in a way with the, that little spiritual thread can touch us and connect mm. with us somehow. I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of spiritual teachers on this out there. You know, <laughs> feel free, people. I mean, you want to check it out. There's no shortage of literature on this. It's, this is just two of us trying to figure out how musically we respond and sort of offer you an opportunity to try it for yourself and see how you respond. I, mean, I wouldn't suggest trying it with anger, but I like the fact that, and this is going to sound strange, I like the fact that there's so much anger around right now. Mm because it indicates that we might have a spiritual opportunity there that we wouldn't have if we were all just happy, happy, joy, joy. I mean, authentically that way. Yeah. And it sparks a lot more change when you're, when everyone's happy and content, you don't really want to change what's going on. You're kind of like, well, this is good. Let's, let's yeah, get this going. That stuff's you know? cool. <laughs> yeah. Like don't, don't tweak this. Like, this is good. 
Um, when you're pissed off and angry or upset about things, that's when you want to, you don't want to feel that way forever. So what do you do? You try to change the situation. So that's a, definitely a positive when everyone's feeling that, you know, it's like, well, then something's going to change. Something's got to give. And obviously it's in this day and age, that's uh, that's definitely a positive thing. We don't want to be going backwards. That's for sure. And why not walk it with music? I mean, even if you're under headphones by yourself, you can take the journey knowing that you're safe. You might be pretty rageful and I, I am right. But I'm not going to go out and, you know, break things and hurt people. If I'm sitting under the headphones with my rage music, it's a healthy outlet, right? We're yeah, not, we're not, we're not promoting definitely. to go out there and just let your rage out and go beat people up or something. Obviously that's not the message. The beautiful part about music is it allows you to go through all that process without having to, um, resort to you know less than optimal yes <laughs> yes <That's laughs> exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so any of you who are throwing axes or breaking plates right now uh write in <laughs> let us know how that worked and that's cool too because you. you know you're in a safe environment doing those there's those places that allow that and you, i've been to an axe throwing place before it was actually really fun Thoroughly enjoyed that, and and I am all I'm all for the physical outlet of all these emotions. That's why I do yoga every day. That's why I like hiking and all these other things, sports, and that physicality is so important. But these days, you know, I've I've also been renting some turntables and learning how to DJ a bit more. And I got to say, like doing that and having my own private dance party is a fantastic physical outlet. Just dancing and moving, even if it's rageful dancing, you're like head thrashing and dancing yeah. you know but like man you go through like just even one solid song while just thrashing your head like violently up and down like you feel like you move some energy at the end of that for sure like you feel it feels cathartic you feel better after that experience for sure yeah and hey if, if that's not if that doesn't work for you then do something it does right whatever exactly. moves your energy is is the thing here and maybe it's that movement of energy that is the spiritual experience Right. Well, what is it? Emotion, emotion, energy in motion. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you don't allow that energy or that emotion to move through you, then it becomes stagnant, it becomes stuck. And what happens then? Well, we know now more than ever, too. Like this, that's what results in so many illnesses. <laughs> not cancers, a spiritual experience, right? Basically, Definitely anything, not. <laughs> anything but a spiritual experience. Yeah. It was a medical problem experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm um, I'm aware of the time that we have here, so let's do let's move some energy. You want to take us out with a short meditation? Yeah, I was you know I was gonna yeah let's do that because I was um, I was tempted to pull up the the scary music for a exactly. Second, but, um, let's not do the scary music for the meditation, but we, we will put it in the show notes for everybody and uh, let's let's close off. What do you want to do? Five, five, five minute little meditation here or? Yeah. Yeah. If we do five, people can extend it on their own, you know? Absolutely. And, that, and that'll keep it compact. For those listening, we're using um, some of my meditation music here, uh, which you can find on my YouTube channel, Crystal Music, which that will be in the show uh, notes as well. Yep. yep. And um, that's, uh, that's another good outlet for people. I've got lots of uh, music for a lot of different things, memory improvement, sleep, uh, and stuff that we've discussed before in the podcast, of course. So, um, 
So I'm going to pull up the uh, 40 Hertz, uh, the classic, the oh, cool. My favorite. favorite. We'll start with that one. We can cycle through some other ones later, but um, I'll start this going, get this going and everyone just find a comfortable seat. Close your eyes and here we go. So you're going to close your eyes and you're just going to start to breathe nice and slowly. Each time you inhale, try to extend that inhale. Each time you exhale, extend your exhale. Breathe in and out. In and out. Focusing on your breath and allowing any thoughts that come up to just simply be there. No need to stop thinking them. Become aware of the sounds around you. Become aware of the sounds within you, the music, your breath. And you just wanna to continue to slow that breath down. Extending your exhales and eventually find a rhythm where you're not thinking about breathing at all. In and out. you become deeper and deeper into this meditation you can find aspects of yourself to connect to after everything we discussed today's in this episode it all comes down to connection we try to connect with everything outside of ourselves let's connect to ourself connect to yourself breathing in and breathing out
remembering that everything we want outside of ourselves, we can first find within ourselves. Breathing in and breathing out. yourself just spending a little time with yourself in silence in contemplation and slowly bring some movement back into your body wiggling your hands fingers, toes. And when you're ready, open your eyes and come back into your space. Remember to give yourself lots of love, gratitude for taking the time to listen to this and to go into meditation for just a moment. And thanks for listening discussions of music, healing, and consciousness. Thank you, Chris. I, I love that. I just love that. I can go there. Maybe it's just practice. I can go there almost immediately. You know? Yeah, that's fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, this great power that we have. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Thanks again, Bill, for uh, bringing this up today. It was a great topic to discuss. And oh, you bet. To go through it. Thanks for like wandering in without waiting boots. You know, this is a tough one. And, and I know we'll come back to it because as things evolve, right? We'll be exactly. wanting to, to revisit <clears throat> what spirituality and consciousness have in connection with music. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening. Thanks for taking some time with us. This is, um, this is one of those things. It's not even a labor of love, but it's, it's all about love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we would we'd be doing this regardless if it was a podcast or not. But That's true. The podcast is nice because it actually gives us a, a structure and an excuse to continue these conversations, which right. I love. And all you get to listen in. Exactly. <laughs> thanks, my friend. I look forward to the next one. Absolutely, Bill. Thank you. We'll see you soon. And thanks for everybody listening. Aho. Aho. Take care.
Thank you for listening in on our conversation and for taking time to show your appreciation with a like, share, or subscribe. Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness is a practice of spontaneity, and we welcome your comments, ideas, and questions. There are ways to connect with us in the show notes, so let us hear from you. Until next time, this is Bill Protzman along with Chris Noble wishing you great musical health. Samara Huchaya.